0: The 2-10 Patriots on the road to face the 7-5 and five Steelers who are coming off a no-show performance last Sunday against the Cardinals. Out to the KDUS hotline we go. We're now joined in the sports Center by Christopher Price of the Boston Globe. Christopher, we have talked many times over the years in December, January, February, uh, but all those things, we're, were talking about the uh, Patriots chasing the ultimate prize, obviously, this year uh i don't know if they're chasing but uh they're in the running to be the 20 and 24 uh, first pick of the draft um I- i've actually become an expert of following bad football covering the cardinals for the last 23 years <laughs> how different is this for you
1: <laughs> it, it is strange and i i guess we could say you know this year the ultimate prize might be the number one pick it might be caleb williams or drake may or marvin harrison jr whatever the case may be look at it's very very strange. I'll be honest with you. I, I host a podcast back in New England with a former Patriots wide receiver, Chris Hogan, and we've talked a number of times this year about how strange it is for everyone involved—the the media, the the fans, the you know the the ex players, the expectations have just changed around this team, and they've changed rather dramatically this year. So it's taken a while to get used to, and I don't think people are quite used to it yet. I'll say that.
0: I can understand that for sure. Was there like a time this season where you realized that this season might turn into a disaster for the Patriots?
1: Uh, the back-to-back games against the Cowboys and the Saints were the, the the two blowout losses. Because to that point in the season, they've been pretty competitive. Um, they, Especially in their first two games against the Dolphins and the Eagles. They, they really... And, you know, in hindsight, it's interesting to say, but, you know, they were probably a couple of plays away from opening the season 2-0 and uh, against those two teams. And the games against the Cowboys and the Saints, uh, the Cowboys on the road in Dallas, they were never in that one. And they came home to face the Saints. And people thought, well, you know, they'll get right. You know, things, things will kind of balance out a little bit. And they lost by 30-something points to a, a not-so-great New Orleans team. And then I think that's when people really started to think that, hey, you know, this season's going to be different. I I think that we need to kind of, again, readjust the expectations. They were able to bounce back with a nice win at home over the Bills, but to this point in the season, that's been the high point for them. Um, They've struggled primarily on offense. The defense has been pretty competitive, and even with losing Christian Gonzalez and Matthew Judon, it's kept them in games. They've gone three straight games now with allowing 10 points or less. The problem is they can't get any sort of rhythm offensively.
0: Speaking of that, the offense averaging 12.3 points per game, that's last in the NFL, 305 yards, which is 28th in the NFL. I realize this might be the most broad question ever asked in the history of civilization, but how did things get this bad?
1: (laughs) Well, I'll I'll tell you where where it started, really, in a lot of ways. In my mind, it started with the the struggles of the offensive line. Um, Not so much ineffective play, but injury. Cole Strange, left guard, goes down the first day in pads this year. Michael Wenyu uh, has off-season ankle surgery and is not able to play all summer and is just kind of rounding into form at the start of the regular season. Trent Brown, veteran left tackle, has been in and out of the lineup with a, a, a multiple injuries over the course of the season. And the guys that they brought in through free agency, Riley Reef, Calvin Anderson, and the, you know, the, the youngsters they, they drafted, uh, have you know largely been swings and misses. So they haven't given Mac Jones in the offense the time, and it's been a domino effect offensively. It's just the the offensive line has never been right over the course of the year, and it's impacted every single other area of offense. And, and then the other thing too is they they've lost uh, Kendrick Bourne, who was probably their most valuable wide receiver. He he suffered an injury. Uh, a few games back, and, and that's obviously kind of thrown a wrench into things. They've had two guys who have kind of stood above the rest offensively when it comes to skill position players, from Andre Stevenson, the running back, and Pop Douglas, the rookie wide receiver. And neither of them are expected to play tonight against the Steelers. So it's just been a perfect storm when you talk about the offensive side of the ball this year for the Patriots. You mentioned
0: the offensive line. If Dante Skarniecki was still the offensive line coach, could he even save this group?
1: No, I really don't think so. I just, I just, mean, Dante was great. I think that Dante's last and most probably most enduring contribution was his ability to connect with Trent Brown, the left tackle. He was able to get Trent to play consistently over the course of the last few seasons and play at a consistently high level. And injury, ineffective play, whatever the case may be, Trent has just not had a great year this year. Um, And again, it's just kind of filtered all across the offensive line. The one guy who I can say has been kind of a, you know, the the best possible thing about the offensive line is the veteran center, David Andrews. who's the only guy on the team who has not missed a single snap. All year, which wow. is tell you a little something about the guy's character. So, but yeah, I, I, I'm glad you bring up Dante because he is a, a an absolute legend when it comes to uh, coaching offensive line play. But yeah, I don't even think he could help this group out.
0: Okay, you mentioned Mac Jones. Uh, is there any chance of him being saved at least in the New England part of his career?
1: <laughs> I love the sigh when you talk about Mac Jones because that's what a lot of people is. <laughs> Uh, around new england have, have you know the, the, that's the same way they've approached it i i don't think so at least at this point that's not to say that he couldn't enjoy a successful second act somewhere else um i will say this the only offensive coordinator who was able to kind of unlock him was josh mcdaniels as a rookie um when into his rookie year back in 2021 he had a really good year for a rookie quarterback and I I might think that, you know, eventually wherever Josh McDaniels lands, he might try and, you know, track down Mac Jones. I I also, too, you go back to the offensive line stuff, I I, I wouldn't put this all on him. I, I think Mac has had a miserable year, but let's also keep in mind the fact, again, the offensive line has been wildly ineffective. I also think, too, having three offensive coordinators in three years, has certainly certainly not done him any favors. And so that's all part of the conversation when you talk about Mac. But I think Mac could find success somewhere else, but I, I don't know if it's ever going to happen for him in New England.
0: Okay. Let's flip this to the defense, which, you know, considering everything, they they've been good. I mean, you mentioned the injuries and you know, the other offenses put them in bad positions with high frequency. They've allowed, uh, you know, 223 yards per game. That's eighth in the NFL. They've allowed 20 points per game. That's that's like 13th or 14th in the NFL. But you know, a lot of that is you know some of those points have been when the offenses have been actually been on the field. So, what or who has actually stood out to you defensively?
1: There's a handful of guys who are really playing better than two and eight. I've said before they deserve. I'm sorry, two and ten. They deserve better than two and ten. Jabril Peppers, the safety, has had a dynamite year. He, he really has. And and I I don't know. You know, if you guys would understand this, but I think he would have fit right in with a 2001, 2002, 3-4 Patriots. Just smart, yeah. tough, fast, physical. Just checks all the boxes when you're know when you you're talking about a Bill Belichick prototypical defender. Uh, Jelani Tavai, the linebacker, has really stepped in and assumed a leadership role. He's done very, very well over the course of the year. Probably exceeded expectations. Um, Christian Barmore, defensive lineman, young defensive lineman at Alabama, played very well. Devon Godshaw defensive lineman has played very, very well. They've gotten some really good performances out of the, the individual guys in this defense. And again, I think it's a tribute to the group that stayed out there when you consider that they lost Matthew Judon, who was their best pass rusher, who still leads the team in sacks, by the way, who hasn't played since that loss to the, the, the Cowboys. And he still may return wow. this year, but you know, they, they've lost Judon. They lost Christian Gonzalez, who, for my money, was in the conversation for defensive rookie of the year at cornerback. And they've managed to kind of keep the whole thing together. I will say this, that they haven't, you know, kind of snapped yet or broken yet. But this team, really, Bob, is fighting with one hand tied behind its back. The defense is playing very, very well, but they're just not getting anything from the offensive side of the ball right now.
0: And also, you know, the special teams have usually been difference makers on a positive side, certainly in the glory years, and they've been, I guess, probably inconsistent, maybe at best. How surprising has yeah. that been?
1: Yeah, that's been the case for the last couple of years, Bob. And I'm glad you bring up the fact that, look, you know, the Patriots for so many years, again, the glory years, would win games on the margins, and I think part of that was their special team success, whether it was Adam Vinatieri or Stephen Guskowski or you know, a great returner or whatever the case may be. They just haven't had it this year. I think part of it is the fact that uh, Marcus Jones, dynamic young returner, kick returner, punt returner, who had great success last year, uh, has been out for most of the season with a shoulder injury. And so that immediately set them back. They're They're breaking in a new kicker and a punter. This year, and while the punter Bryce Beringer, I think, has had a very good season, uh, the kicker uh, Chad Ryland has been a little bit inconsistent. Cost them a a shot at overtime in the loss to the Giants. Uh, It was a thirty-seven yarder, I think, at the buzzer that he missed. Uh, and, And so, yeah, I mean, a traditional area of strength for the Patriots again has been inconsistent at best, and you know they they haven't had any favor. They their special teams group hasn't done them any favors this year. I'll put it that way.
0: Talking uh, Patriots with Christopher Price of the Boston Globe. All right, on to the question I never thought I would ask. uh, Does Belichick return next season?
1: (laughs) That's the question that everyone's asking in New England, Bob. It's it's really true. I I think that a lot of things are in play here. I think from my own perspective, his chances of returning are greatly improved if he agrees to have a general manager next year. I think that Mm -hmm. Bill Belichick, the coach, is still pretty good. And I think if Bill Belichick was – a quote-unquote free agent as a coach, you'd probably get 10, 12 teams lined up right outside his door tomorrow looking to sign him to a contract. I think the problem has come in the last few years with his draft. And if he agrees to a GM, I don't know how feasible that is, but if he agrees to a GM, then I think there's a very real possibility that he comes back next year. If he does not agree to a GM, I think that's the first conversation in a series of conversations that ends up with him leaving New England.
0: Is there a person out there that he's either worked with previously or you know, just would kind of fit to be like the player personnel guy or whatever, however they'd like to the title this?
1: No, it, see, and that, that's the interesting thing, is that a lot of his quote-unquote contemporaries, the guys who he came up in the league with, the guys that you might point to and say, hey, I think this guy would be a good GM, they're out of the league, they're you know on the older side, and I, I don't think that they would be... You know, have have the stomach for it. One name that I've floated that, and and look, I have no inside knowledge here, but Lewis Riddick has expressed interest in being a GM before. He's connected with Bill. He played for Bill in Cleveland. Um, If you could maybe team him with a veteran guy, and you know, add a little bit to your front office, I I think that would make for a, a really intriguing combination. But. It is. I I think that's the scenario that that where he stays in New England is is if he agrees to have a general manager. Because again, look, I still think he's a really good coach, and I think that you know you see that on the defensive side of the ball that he's managed to lose two of his most important defensive players and still put together, or at least have a hand in putting together, a really good defensive unit. It's just you know the the draft picks that they've made on the offensive side of the ball over the last couple of years, they really haven't panned out by and large. Yeah,
0: you know, I'm glad you brought up Riddick. We had him on here during Super Bowl week uh, last year, and uh, you know, I asked him about the you know his aspirations and so forth, and he, he certainly didn't hide the fact that he wants to be uh, in the NFL front office at some point. So I think that would be a, an interesting uh, you know, selection or possibility there for sure. All right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, on to tonight. Go. Okay, go ahead. If you want to add something to that. Uh,
1: no. 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 I. I. Yeah. It's, it's, okay. He needs. I. I, th- I think Bill needs someone in that role to maybe push back from yeah. time to time. A voice that he likes. A voice that he respects. And I think Riddick might be a really intriguing name.
0: Yeah, I'm with you on that for sure. Okay. So a little bit about tonight, briefly. Uh, the Patriots, five-and-a-half-point underdogs, only five-and-a-half-point underdogs, but they're playing a team that didn't show up against the Cardinals last Sunday. Uh, the point total is actually went to 29-and-a-half some places yesterday, casinos in Nevada especially, which is the lowest point total in any NFL game since 1993, uh, according to some people I know in Las Vegas. So I'm, not, I'm guessing we're not expecting a shootout tonight.
1: No, no. Take the under. Take the stick with the under, man. This is these are two, and it's not just the. It's not just I'll say this. It's not just two lousy offenses right now, or two ineffective offenses right now. It's it's two pretty good defenses, and so I think the only way that it goes over is if there's some sort of special teams magic, yeah. some sort of trickery, a blocked punt, a run back, something like that.
0: Or defensive touchdowns. You know, somebody who has been yeah. known to dabble into gambling like every week, uh, every game, not every game, but every week. Uh, I would be – I'm not going to bet this. I, I've never bet a game under 29 and a half in my life, uh, maybe college or pro for that matter, unless it's Army and Navy this weekend, by the way. Uh, but, uh, you know, I would be terrified that there would just be a pick six, that we just, you know, yeah. and yeah. just would I, completely, I, screw, well, completely screw well, your chances.
1: Really It's really interesting, though, you bring up the pick six and the defensive touchdowns, because I think that's one of the things, and I don't want to go too far afield here, but the idea that the Patriots' offense last year, the deficiencies in large part were camouflaged, at least in some measure, by the fact that they had seven defensive touchdowns last year. Uh, Kyle Douglas, a safety, had, had, had three touchdowns. He was like the fourth leading scorer on the team. They're not as good as this defense is. They're not getting the same level of takeaways this year. If they could get one takeaway a game, if they could get a pick-six a game or a covered fumble or something like that, maybe things are a little bit different for this team. But, but yeah, I, I look, I, they really need a defensive touchdown the worst way, I think, if they're going to be competitive today.
0: Also, if I remember correctly, you know, either Jones or somebody in their special teams added some points at times last year.
1: Yeah, yeah, um, Marcus Jones. Again, great return. He had a basically yeah. a walk-off punt return for a touchdown against the Jets to beat the Jets. Yeah, Jet. yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, that would that would certainly help as well. Okay, Christopher,
0: I don't advocate advocate uh, alcohol consumption before, like, noon or anything like that, at least until it's dark outside. And, uh, you know, I know that this has not been the most uplifting conversation, but uh, – I thought we had to cover with what's going on in New England with you. So thanks for the time as always. I
1: appreciate it, my friend. Take care, and we'll talk again soon. All
0: right. Christopher Price from the Boston Globe. And as I mentioned at the top there, we have talked to him for many years, never in this situation. Uh, it's always been, uh, you know, this time of the year, certainly. Uh, you know, the playoff aspirations, how far do they go? Uh, who might beat them in the playoffs in some of those years who would be the biggest threat but uh, this year it's uh you know time to think about Caleb Williams maybe if they can actually lose enough games or lose more games uh, to get that number one pick but I don't know if uh, Carolina is going uh, you know basically comply with that because they're really bad uh, and uh, of course Carolina doesn't even have their first round pick because they traded at the bears uh, last off season all right